0: Not only do you think about the rhythm and sometimes the rhyme, but think about what picture they're trying to to get as as they're writing that those words and, and what that what that kind of elicits or causes us to think upon. And so I as we I was also sitting there I was thinking about, you know, since we had our VBS, I haven't really done a children's sermon. I don't have one ready today, but I'll try to get back on top of that. Uh, hopefully, kids, you'll listen and learn. There's some great truths from the Word of God, even as Pastor Lee stands up here and preaches a long time, okay? Well, let's pray as we get started this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful Word and the time that we have here together as we study it, as we worship you and glorify you. We thank you for for um, a great many things, Lord, even the simple things, as was mentioned before, as we see the sunsets, we see... Uh, the creatures that you've created and we're blessed here in rural Nebraska to be near uh, to your creation. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you would guide us now as we look to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, um, you know, before our vacation and and I guess a couple weeks ago we had our baby dedication, but we started in early July Looking at First Kings, and so I want you to go back to First Kings, chapter seventeen, and we're looking. We were looking at the the turning away from the Lord God that the nation uh, of Israel was, and nation of Israel the northern 10 tribes right and Judah the southern tribe because in in 1st kings chapter 11 Solomon had his spiritual bankruptcy but after Solomon because of his spiritual bankruptcy his son uh, was not wise and the nation split in 2 right and remember David had his spiritual bankruptcy and 2 Samuel chapter 11. And so it's important for us to keep our eyes on the Lord and praise the Lord for his wonderful grace. But when we started this, um, we see in chapter 1, 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, we have Ahab. Each time it said this king was more wicked than all the kings before him, and Ahab is that. And out of nowhere came this prophet from, we believe, as as he's a Tishbite, look at verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, that is, he was over in more of a rural area, he came and said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And you would think after he said this, after this remark, that there would be a wonderful time of great and powerful teaching and advisory position for Elijah. But there's not. Which led me to, the, to, to think about, well, what should we title this? Uh, a lot of times I say, um, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. You know, I often remark that true love is, is being willing to get up out of your chair when you're exhausted and just got inside out of the heat of the day and then you have a request from a child or a spouse to do something. And so it's when you think, okay, I can relax now. I've finished the task of the day. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then, you know, well, love challenges me to get up and do it when I don't want to. And so it's like, um, okay, I'll get up and do that, right? I'll get up one more time. Now, I often don't do it in a loving way, but love drives us to be selfless when we are sick of it, right? And so we might do it, but we may have this attitude, um, okay, someone after my last message, uh, Would you, here we go. I I preached this a couple weeks ago at Thedford, and someone said, well, that's kind of what the teenagers say. I'm okay. Well, I say it too sometimes when I really don't want to do it, but I know I should. Yes, I'm okay. But love and commitment to the Lord may frequently or rarely be much like that. What we expect when we obediently obey is a pretty quick, pretty quick reward or a blessing, right? Anybody there? I know I'm there a lot of times. Yet, it would be important to remember our reward or rewards await us. They're oftentimes not received here on earth. And so we are often given one task after another, and sometimes we are given special and difficult training after a moment of great success. Like here in this passage. Elijah, who just triumphantly proclaimed, because he triumphantly obeyed, and he confronts King Ahab, and then there's, after he does this, for the Lord, there's a command from the Lord to go to an obscure place. And for me, my answer probably would have been, nah. Nah. It might have been, um, okay. Like, is that where my reward or blessing is waiting for me? (laughs) Is that where my blessing is? I'm okay. (laughs) I'm probably more like Jonah. You know, I just want to sit here and watch the demise It's at these moments that we need to be reminded that faith is obedience amid bewilderment, right? Faith is going ahead and saying, yes, Lord, even when you don't understand what's going on. So let's read verses 2 through 7. We already read verse 1, and we've looked at it. There's significance with Elijah's name. There's significance that he says that he... That the Lord as the Lord God of Israel lives because Ahab did not truly fully believe in the Lord God of the Bible of his forefathers and had turned away as many, all of the northern tribe kings had of Israel. Verse two, the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Chereth, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. It happened about It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So, as we read this passage, I think it's important for us to understand that we're really blessed by Scripture to have all these examples, (laughs) I'm reminded of 2 Timothy 2.3 where Paul tells Timothy suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And so here in the first of two places we find that Elijah has these two places where there's going to be great growth. In the first place was Cherith. Here, God honed or sharpened Elijah. Here, God honed or sharpened Elijah. In verses two through four, we find that Elijah's character was carved, or God carved out um, a better character within Elijah. In verse two through four again, Elijah's humility, part of his character is his humility. It was carved out. He came from nowhere, but surely after this powerful encounter with Ahab, as I mentioned before, there would have been something better for him, but then he sent to this little brook where ravens were going to bring food to him. So in this passage, God told him to go east to a brook called Cherith that flowed into the Jordan. That word Cherith, and he's supposed to hide there, right? He's kind of hiding from the king. That word Cherith, that brook, can mean cut. It's a ravine, right? Cherith can mean to cut off. And so it's a place of great refuge, but it is a little bit like a boot camp for him. A boot camp for his faith. Um, I'd encourage you, if if you like Chuck Swindoll, his book on Elijah is interesting because he talks about his boot camp experience and compares it to this. But here Elijah was cut off or he was carved. His character was carved out. And humility because... He's not in some great place. He's not even amongst his own people. He's hiding out, and of all things, a carrion bird, a raven, which all almost all cultures are familiar with ravens and have some view of ravens, right? Some of them believe them to be a bad omen. Many think, ugh, I just don't like ravens. Even in uh, American culture, we have that poem, right? Nevermore. Right? Are you familiar with that? But they're really not looked favorably upon, and so in in very many cultures. And so here he's receiving food from these scavengers. And so ravens are the world's maybe the world's greatest scavengers. They often get food from garbage dumps and dead animals. And so sometimes we may wonder. When I think of this, I like to think, oh, yeah, somebody's grilling a nice steak and a raven picked it up, or God provided a nice little morsel of steak that's cooked for, for Elijah and the bird brings it to him. Maybe it was steak, but it's been sitting in the garbage dump, possibly. We don't know for sure. It might have been good food. I don't know. But it came from a raven, right? But they do gather food from dead animals, much like vultures. They gather it from garbage dumps. So we don't know what he got. It could have been that. But he had food from these ravens. That, that would be hard on your pride, wouldn't it? Then he would also drink from this brook. And I don't have a very good view, probably none of us. It's hard to know which brook it was, to be honest, um, The Hebrew word can mean it passed over. In my translation, it says basically it's on the other side of the Jordan. But it could have been on the west side instead of the east side. Because the word can be instead of over, it could have been by, right? And some of your translations kind of indicate that. But anyway, it was a brook. And even if it was a mountain stream brook, when you think about it, it was dwindling. Maybe it started out nice, clear, clean water, cold water. That's what I like to think about right here in Nebraska. We have spring-fed rivers and creeks. So we lived in Dunning for a while. The water in the summer passes over, it goes over a lot of sandbars by the time it gets to Dunning. It's warm, not as much fun as it is up, we're going to have a church picnic at Thedford for Amazing Grace Church. And we're going to have it up west of Thedford, about five miles. And water is cold. A lot more enjoyable on a hot, sunny day. But you think about a brook. Oftentimes brooks are spring-fed here, so we think, oh, they might be cold. But I doubt it was cold. Especially if it was shallow. And when you think about it, it was going to dry up. And it did dry up. So even spring-fed brooks get warm. And when they're warm, there's all sorts of algae and living creatures within them or animals that walk through them, leaving gifts in it possibly, right? Think about that. As it dried up, was he clearing out a little hoof print to get a sip of this water? We're not quite sure how difficult or blessed he was there, but I don't think it's the camping trip we all envision. I think it was a little tough. So he's drinking out of this wonderful, warm, maybe pond-scumming brook. That would be very humbling and hard-to-swallow experience, wouldn't it? Get it? Anyway, all right. But here is where his character is faithfully followed. Is, is, sorry. Here is where his character in faithfully following God was carved. And so even in when things are bewildering, we have to be willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you click the next slide for me, Sandy? Here his patience had to be sharpened as well. So here he waited. So here he rested, right? He rested. I think about a vacation. How many of you need a vacation after a vacation? When we go camping on the Dismal River where it's clean, crisp, clear water. Well, it's not clear because it's sandy. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. We're even worn out. We have nice cots and tent. And we come home from camping out and we sleep for four or five hours sometimes. Because we're worn out from our vacation. It was no vacation for Elijah. And here he waited. He did not get probably the rest that we may think he had. And yet he waited. So God is working on Elijah. We also need to see not only was his character carved but his faith was sharpened right? Elijah's endurance was sharpened, again, because he was patient. Elijah's very prayers were the reason the brook dried up, weren't they? Verse one, except by my word, by his prayers, when we look at James, it says, because he prayed, there was a drought for three and a half years. By his very prayers, the the brook dried up. Right? I'm okay, Lord. What's next? Yeehaw! Let's go. Oftentimes when we think we obey the Lord, we think there will be great provision and blessing, but sometimes there's more character-carving opportunities that come our way. Oftentimes we pray to the Lord for something and we think, the Lord didn't answer me in that, but we didn't see his answer because he did not answer the way we thought he should. Don't you think God could have fed that brook just a little longer? We know he has created brooks, springs of living water. Surely Elijah could have had better provision and not from carrion birds. But God provided. And Elijah's endurance and faith was growing. And Elijah's willingness to follow God, it remained, didn't it? From what we read, it remained steadfast, even as the brook dried up. And so I want to challenge you uh, this morning that. A dried up brook is often a sign of God's pleasure, not disappointment in your life. Isn't that counterintuitive to us in Western culture, especially in the United States where we have so many blessings? And so when it doesn't quite match up with what you think it should be, remember that faith is obedience even in the midst of bewilderment. I think we have a huge misconception here. We need to understand that sometimes the strongest are the ones tested the most. Not always. And I think in Sunday school class we were trying to discuss some issues in John about um, the blind, man born blind. And there's a lot of things that we don't understand. Why some people struggle or have health issues and others don't. Why some people seem to have consequences to their sin and others don't. Why some seem to follow God and they have struggle after struggle and others you think would struggle more because of the way they live. There's a lot of things that are bewildering but what are we to do? We're to continue to set our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him. Aren't we? I believe so. But we need to understand that God is oftentimes working on our character, working on our faith just as God worked on Elijah's, a great prophet. God honed or sharpened him here at the brook of Cherith. The second place, we find Elijah's Zarephath. And here we find that God smelted Elijah at Zarephath. Look at verse 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord... So the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying... Well, I wonder, why didn't the Lord send him off before the brook dried up? But it says, the brook dried up, and then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Now, just understand that this is not Israel or Judah. This is in a enemy territory, or should be, Right? But maybe it wasn't quite so much because of the wickedness of the kings and marrying outside. Anyway, behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, as I was rereading this this week because I had prepared my notes several weeks ago, I may have overlooked this passage because the widow there was... Uh, was commanded to provide for him. And so she had some semblance of an understanding that God had a man coming somehow, sometimes, someplace, for her to to care for, okay? So she's commanded in this passage as well to obey the Lord, okay? Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and, there, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. Now she says, as a Lord your God lives. It makes me wonder if she knew from the command of the Lord that this man would be the Lord's appointed man and so she believed he would be a man who followed the Lord God and she says your lord your god hmm and she believed and she obeyed i believe from the indication of this passage here But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go and prepare for me and my son a wonderful, fantastic meal of which there will be many afterwards. It's not what it says, is it? For me and my son that we may eat it and die. A lot of hope there, isn't there? Then Elijah said to her, Okay, don't make me anything. You better eat that food. No, do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first. "'For me first, and bring it out to me, "'and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. "'For thus says the Lord God of Israel, "'The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, "'nor shall the jar of oil be empty "'until the day that the Lord sends rain "'on the face of the earth. "'So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, "'and she and he and her household ate for many days. "'The bowl of flour was not exhausted, "'nor did the jar of oil become empty.' according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Phew. We need to understand here that both her and Elijah had their faith fortified, right? Elijah's fortitude, his perseverance, was refined. Even yet, continuing on. He listened and obeyed God again. He traveled through dangerous territory because King Ahab was after him. That's why he's hiding out. God told him to hide out, but he was hiding out anyway. So he passed through this dangerous territory to go to enemy territory, Zarephath. Now, Zarephath means crucible. Do you know what a crucible is? It's a pot where you heat up metal, to refine it's a refiner's pot it's a refining pot a smelting place here both elijah and the widow will be and have been getting refined in their faith god is purifying elijah's faith proverbs seventeen three says the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold but the lord tests hearts Proverbs 27, 21 says, A crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, and each is tested by the praise accorded them. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 would be another good passage to look at. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. But here we have Elijah coming to ask for help from the neediest. And even though he knows the dire straits that she's in, he continues to ask her because God commanded him to, and she obeys because the Lord commanded her to, even though they don't know where the next meal is coming from, until he says, God has said, it will not run dry. But yet they still had to believe. And sometimes we're like, Lord, you're going to provide, but why why can't you just do it in a way that I don't have to even try to let my faith grow? (laughs) You know, in a sense that it's no worry, it's no problem. And he does do that, but many times he provides moment by moment. As we look at verses 14 through 16, we find that Elijah's faith was multiplied. The widow obeyed and was blessed. In verse 9, again, she was commanded, but she obeyed him even though it was little bewildering to know that God was going to do it in this way. And as he and the widow obeyed, they watched as God miraculously provided. And again, I just want to dwell on this just for a minute longer, okay? How had God provided thus far? At the brook, with the ravens, just enough, wouldn't it be? Just enough. How would God provide now for this widow and for Elijah? Just enough. Is just enough good enough? Is just enough good enough for you? I'm asking this question, but it's a little scary for me. I would rather not have just enough. I'd rather have plenty. But is just enough good enough? is God the one I rely upon or is the blessings that he has given me? Elijah gained an an added encouragement to continue to walk by faith, especially in God's provision. And so faith, I want to remind you, faith is obedience amid bewilderment. Another quote, From Philip Keller, few of us ever seem to discover that true sacrifice for another comes out of our very survival, never out of our surplus. Think about this widow. She had to believe in the Lord. She had to trust that this was even the right man that the Lord had commanded her to help. But many times we will obey the Lord when we have, you know, plenty of time or plenty of resources, but will we provide and do what he says? Will we help others when our, even our, our very survival depends upon it, the things that we give, So the challenge today is, obey God even when you're bewildered about what's going on. Obey Him. Okay, kids? Are you still here? Doing good? There's going to be times when you're confused about what's going on. And even in those moments, we need to obey Jesus. Okay? Right? Adults? We need to give God that which we clutch within our hands, right? Are we willing to give to God that which we're clinging to for our very survival? Are we giving to God that which we love most? Only God, only God can provide what we need. And only God can save. Makes me think about Kentucky. Pray for them. Very sad story about two parents. No matter how hard we may clutch that which we value the most, only God has them in his hands. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us, and we ask for your continued provision. Lord, help us to to not put those before you and to keep you first. And even when we're confused, even when we are fearful um, of the next step, help us to follow and obey you. Help us to learn from these powerful true events from your word that even some of the greatest men and women have had to endure some of the most difficult times. I pray that that would be encouraging. And Lord, the blessings that we do have help us to be able to see them as blessings and give you the praise that is due you and to just um, rest in those blessings. But when it's difficult, when we're challenged, Lord, help us to continue to press on in obedience to you. Lord, in the midst of difficulty, I pray that each one here is able to see you, that you are greater than any problem. You are the solution. And I pray that they would feel your presence within their lives and that they would have clear understanding of what it is you want them to do and that we would move forward with great confidence, boldly standing upon you who are our rock and our redeemer. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time together. And uh, we ask that you would guide us as you always do, that we would be sensitive and understand how you are guiding us. But we pray that you would help us to see that and move forward faithfully and confidently. In Jesus' name, amen.